Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Nun Dalit in Maseches Yuma. But we'll begin six lines up from the wide lines uh, in the middle of the Mishnah, Anun Gimel Amad Bez. We are continuing with, of course, the Yom Kippur Avoda, and we're bringing the goat. Hevilos Seir. Obviously, uh, this is not. This is this is the ear that we're not going to throw off the cliff. We're, this one we're going to shech. This is seir Hashem. So avilu seir. They bring the coin gadol, obviously, because he's doing all the avodas. Uh, the seir and shchatov ekipa b'mizrak es damo. He shechts it. Good. Then he has to receive the blood in the mizrak, which is the bowl in which he receives the blood, and then nichnas lemakom shenichnas veamad bemakom sheamad. Okay. He's going to enter where he was before and stand in the place where he stood before. So notice he's coming back and forth out. And again, he's doing the sprinkling. As we explained in the end of yesterday, um, how the sprinkling goes, one down, seven, right, one, right, one up, seven down. One, and it's not really up and down, it's really just uh, spritzing towards it, but it's one and seven, then one and six, then one and five, okay, until it's one and one. And then Yatsov, so a series of seven, right, with a uh, progressively less and less Hazos the second time each time. And then Yatsov Hinicho Al Kan Hazahav Hashenisha Behechal. As we'll see, there'll be a Shita that there's only one such stand, but what's basically happening here is when he goes out now, he has, right, his bowl. That's containing the blood of the Seir Hashem, And he already had the bowl that contained the par, uh, the blood of the par. So it's a question of whether he has two stands or one stand. Be that as it may, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, with regards to that, lo hayasham elak there was only one stand there, and what happened was not al dam hapar seir. So there we see So there we see that according to Yehuda, he takes the blood of the bull off the stand and then puts it on the and puts the uh, the the blood of the goat of the seir right in in its stead on that stand. Um, now, of course, the Kohen Gadol is doing all the Avoda. So this is all taking coordination. Nothing as much as last week um, when I was away, when he's got the shovel with the incense and everything, and he's just got to carry it between his teeth. So I, I, I missed the dental, the, the dental gemaras, but, um, right? So that, that took the most coordination, the most practice. But this isn't bad either, right? He's got to first... Uh, take the, the blood of the par and then he, only then can he take out the blood of the goat and he has to do everything. Okay. Um, be that as it may, he's on menu al paroches, so now he's taking, right, the dam of the par. He's on menu al paroches, um, and again, he's sprinkling that on the paroches and he sprinkles it as we said before, and just like we had said with the seir, he's not actually directing it, but rather uh, he's doing it like a matzlif. Right, and he counts just that he did for the seir. Now, 
So now he takes the dam of the seir, um, and he puts down the the dam of the par, and then So again, he sprinkles both of them, and then Then whatever is left of the blood of the par, he spills it into, he pours it into the bowl where he already has the dam of the seir, a little Sheva Brachos action where you're pouring it all into one cup, so to speak. And then he does, um, right, when you're, when you're putting away the Shabbos dishes and, and not everybody finishes their drink, so you pour it all, let's say, or soup, right, pour it all into one bowl and then you stack them, right? I don't know if in your family you stack. That's usually in the Shittach I haven't seen it. Okay. Andrew is not going to talk about it. This is not for now. Anyway, so he stacks in the base of Mikdash, and that is the end of the Mishnah. And now the Gemara asks the interesting uh, question. Remember, we were talking about where everything was placed relative to the Aron, right? The Evan Shasia. What happened when the Aron was taken away? Well, that's the lesson of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Mishanital Aron. Sounds like the Aron was taken away. Nital is different than Nignaz. Nignaz implies that the Aron was, in fact, no longer there, but it was hidden. Nital sounds like Golas Bava, like this was carried off to somewhere. So that's where our Gemara picks off, where the Mishnah uh, started, which is Mishnignaz Lokatani Ela Mishnital. Our Mishnah uses the Lashon of Minital. So it's not, Kemanda Amar Aron Golo Lubavel. So that's a Machlokis. Was the Aron, in fact, hidden? Underneath the floorboards of the base of Mikdash, as it were, or was it taken away by uh, those who destroyed us? Now, um, <coughs> or 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 or, uh, or went with us to with us to Bavel, right? Did we take it away? Now, there's the Arch of Titus where it looks like stuff was taken away from us. There's uh, well, forget about the Arch of Titus, whether it's historically correct. There's, um, uh, more recently, the Mishnah in Shkalim that we learned, and that Vav, that made it sound like we, there was a floorboard, a loose tile in the floor of the base of Mikdash somewhere, where there was the Aron beneath it. Well, we're going to quote that Mishnah um, as another source of what happened to the Aron. So that's going to be the first discussion. So, it seems like our Mishnah, it says Mishnah sounds like the Aron went out with us to, um, to exile, the Tanya, or the Ezer Omer, Aron Gala Levavil. Okay? Rabbi Eliezer simply held that the Aron went out into the Galas Bavil. Shanemar. And he has a Pasuk. It says, Vilishubas Hashana, Shalacha Melech Nebuchad Netzer, Vivieu Bavela, Im Klei Chemdas Beis Hashem. Sounds like, in this case, right, so when you read the Pasuk, it sounds like Melech Nebuchad Netzer took the, the, the Aron to Bavil. But no, he didn't care about that. It's actually referring to the Melech Yehoyachin. This was at the very end, right? This was when we. Um, basically, were on the threshold of of Galus Bavel, and it says at the turn of the year, uh, I believe it was the nineteenth year of his reign. Um, the Yatzchol takes you to through the chronology of the the eventual destruction of the second base of Mikdash, and so what ended up happening was um, he they they had to send. It says clay. Well, how does he know that this is referring to the Aron? Well. Klechemdas. What would be the Klechemdas if not the Aron, right? Because Klechemdas, Beis Hashem, 
It's really talking about all the precious articles, but there is no article more precious than the Aron, and therefore that Pasuk implies, right, it's in Divya Yamim, that Pasuk implies that the Aron went to, go, to, to Bavel with Yoyachim. Now, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai Omer, yes, the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, says, Aron Galil Bavel, he, he himself has a source, Shene Emar, Lo Yivaser Davar Amar Hashem. Okay, this is a prophecy, right? And the prophecy says in Isaiah that lo yevaser davar, nothing will be left. Watch this, davar. Elu aseres hadibros shibo. Davar is a reference, an allusion to the dibros, right? And dibros are in fact the, uh, the that which is found in the Aron, and therefore a secondary or a second source that Rav Shem has to teach you that the Aron actually went out into Golos with us. Okay. So uh, that's the first two shitas. However, Rabbi Yehuda, Oimer, Aron bim komo nignaz. So we have a third opinion and a different shita, which is that the Aron stay put. It was hidden, not taken away. Shenemar, ve'yeru roshe habadim in ha-kodesh al p'nei ha-devir, ve'lo yeru ha-chutza. Ve'yusham ad hayom hazeh. So first it describes, this pasuk, right, first it describes, it's a Pasuk in Melachim Aleph, and it describes how the Aron looked when it was in the base of Mikdash. So that the Gemara is going to discuss a little bit initially, which is, how, what does it mean, how is it that you saw the poles that were attached to the Aron? Were they visible? Were they not visible? It says, and it says, so we'll deal with that contradiction of whether those poles were visible or not of the Aron. But be that as it may, the one thing that we see here is that what? That sounds very much like they're always there and they were never taken away. So let's see how we deal with this machlokis. So the Gemara first says, Upliga de Ula. Okay. So the Brisa that has this three machlokis is actually a machlokis on to, to Ula. Why? Well, again, Ula is... is um, has, has an opinion regarding Rav Shimon's view. Ula is an Amorah. He's discussing Rav Shimon Bar Yechai. So we have, again, we have Rav Laza, we have Rav Shimon Bar Yechai, and we have Rav Yehuda. And according to the Brisa that we have, Rav Shimon Bar Yechai agrees with Rav Eliezer that it went into Galus, that the Aaron went into Galus. However, Amar Ula, Shal Rabbi Masih ben Kharashit, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, Baromi, right? So Ula had a tradition that when Rav Masih ben Kharash uh, was in Rome, Rav Shem went to Rome to, so that's what Romi is here, Rome. Rav Shem went to Rome uh, to plead right against the decrees, the Roman decrees. Uh, and that's what Rav Shem was doing in Rome. While he was there, um, Rav Masih ben Kharash asked Rav Shem Bar a question. And the question was, Right? Rav Eliezer had two sources Right, for the fact that our, that the Aaron went to Babel. Now, in our Brisa, Rabbi Leezer has one source, uh, to say that Melch Nebuchadnezzar, right, went, went away, and Rabbi Shimon, Bar Yochai himself, is the one that has the second source, that, that it has to do with Loivater Davar. But Ula, uh, has a Tanaic source that teaches him a story where Rabbi Leezer is the one that's proposing the first, both sources, right, Pamrishonau Shniah, Aron Gola Bavel. And in fact, 
those two sources, as the Gemara points out, are Rishona Hada Amran. The first source was as we said. That was the source of Rebbe Lazar. And then it attributes a second source, not the Loivater Davar, but a, but a third Pasuk that implies that the Aaron went to Bavel as follows. This is already a Pasuk in Eicha that says that from Mibas Tzion, right, what, what departed as we arrive in Indola Amid Aleph, Kol Hadara, all her splendor, all the splendor of Yerushalayim, what is all her splendor? My Kol Hadara, Chadra, the contents of her Chadre Chadarim, as they say, of her innermost, right, uh, room, which is the Aron. Okay, so, Beitzeh Kol Hadara, another in Echa, another Pasuk that's attributed to Rabbi so now we have three Psukim, again, none of them say Beferish, but all of them allude to the fact that the Aron was taken away. Right, certainly the glory was taken away. We assume that all this glory is the inner glory. All of this is referring to the Aaron. Anyway, so in the story with Ramas Ben Harash says, he asks Rav Shimon Bar Yechai, who in our initial b'risa had the second Pasuk that implied that the, that the Aaron was taken away. And he says, Atamai Ata Omer. He says, well, we know the Rebbe Lazar has two psukim that says that the Aaron was nigla. What do you say, Rav Shimon Bar Yechai? So Amalos, so Rav Shimon Bar Yechai answered him, Shani Omer, Aaron bimkoma nignaz. Oh, so that's why Ula's saying, Ula has this re, um, a record of this story, and in this story, of Shimbarichai actually holds not that the Aaron went to Gullus, but rather that it was nignaz in its place. What's his source there? Shanemar vayerichu abadim. So that was, right, in our case, that was the same proof that Rabbi Huda brought. The fact that it says, Ad hayomazeh, that the Aaron is there. So, now, interestingly, even if the Aron is there, the Badim aren't poking at Yomazeh. In other words, even if it's Nignaz, it's not there at Yomazeh. So that has to be dealt with. But, but, but be that as it may, Ula is now challenged. So Ula has, again, a record that Rav Shimbarichai holds that the Aron was Nignaz. But Amar le Rabba le Ula, my mashma. Is it really true that, that the fact that the Pasuk says that those poles stuck out at Yomazeh is mashma that the Aron was Nignaz? It says, Well, you're saying, because it says, that's how you know that the Aaron is still there. Asks Rabbah, Is it true that every time it says, we can assume that it really does mean forever? Well, let's give another example. And we have a Pasuk in Shoftim. It says, That the... Uh, a whole other story where they came to the Yavusi, the Bnei Binyamin let him sort of stick around. They didn't drive him out of Yerushalayim when, when, they, were con- when they were conquering uh, Eretz Israel. And as a consequence, the Yavusim are still there. In other words, they're coexisting, the Bnei Binyamin and the Yavusim in Yerushalayim. Okay, well, that would imply that if you were to go to Yerushalayim, any time between right then and now, until uh, uh, you know now being Hayom Azeh, any time in Jewish history you'll find this mixture of Yevusim and Bnei Binyamin in Yerushalayim. Is that really true? Hachinami delo galu. Is is that really true? Is it not true that the that the Shevet Binyamin, as we know, went into exile? In fact, everybody went into exile, as the Gemara continues to say. Rabbi says Vehatanya. Wherever Bryce says, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Chamishim Ishtayim Shana, Lo Avar Ish Bi Yehuda. 
not only was Binyamin in Gullus, but there wasn't a soul. It was tumbleweed through the sleepy old abandoned town. Okay? There was not a soul in Judea for 52 years. Okay, Shanamar, because we have a Pesach. It says, Ha-Hayarim Esa, right? On the hills, I'm going to raise up what? Bechi, Venehi. It's going to be weeping and wailing. We're used to Al-Naharos Bavel, right? Sham Yashav Nugam But here it says, on actually the destroyed hills, right? I'm going to have weeping and wailing and Ve'al Neos Midbar Kina, right? And on the pastures of the wilderness, we're going to say Akina. So it was totally desolate. And then, for after all, those aforementioned right, hills and pastures are going to be completely parched without a soul passing by. And not even any cattle, nothing. Desolation. Right? Everybody left. Yermio is saying this dramatic, right? Nevoah. Um, that you're not even going to have birds. I mean, the place is going to be scorched earth. It's going to be desolate. Now, interestingly, I don't know how this works, but the Gemara points out, from the fact, I don't know why they choose the word there's there's other things, but from the word it says 52, 52, it's not how they learn it. It's, I guess, historically correct also. But the bottom line is, it's an allusion to the fact that for 52 years there was nobody there. So just screwing our head back on our shoulders here, we're in the middle of discussing the idea that it said that Binyamin and the Yavusi were extant in Yerushalayim Ad Well, that can't be true because by definition for 52 years there wasn't any human beings there. So you see that when it says Ad as, right, as would be suggested by Rabbi Yehuda in the first Brisa, and even by Rishim Ben Rechai in Ula's version. Either way, how could they say that Adayomazeh has to mean that? <coughs> excuse me, has to mean that the Aaron's still there? After all, we use that same lashon to say, tell you that the Binyamin uh, lived with the Yevusi, and in fact, we see that 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 was not continuous at all, right? Vitanya, and we learned in another Brisa, Rabbi Yosi Omer Sheva Shanim Niskaima Gavritz Vemelch Beretz Israel. That it was literally gafres v'melach, right? Um, salt and sulfur. It was just not desolation. Rabbi Yochanan, my time of the Rabbi What's his source? Asi bris bris. Okay, we have the word bris in two separate pasukim. Siv hacha v'higbir bris l'rabim shavua echad. Right, and a pasuk in Daniel says that the bris is going to be a strong one for seven years in a different context entirely. Right. And then later on, um, well, in a different place entirely, this is already in Devarim actually, right? It says that, that they're going to what? This is, this is, you're getting here, right? A lot of Tachacha because they're going to forsake the Bris Hashem. Now Rashi here puts them together. He explains how, right? This is the, that first Rashi. Um, I mean, not the first one, but on the first line. Um, in Nandala Ramadalaf, he's explaining how you're putting together the Daniel Pasuk with the Pasuk in Sefer Devarim. You put it all together, bris, bris, seven years of scorched earth. And bottom line is, there was nobody there, desolation. So how can you say that Adha Yomazeh means that they, that it's continuous and that, it, and that B'nai Israel still have, you still have the Binyamin and the Yivusim in 
Eretz Yisrael. So now, five lines down within the wide lines, Ula is going to reply to this challenge of Rabbah as follows. In other words, okay, we get, you got me. Adayomazeh does not necessarily mean continuously and doesn't necessarily even mean Adayomazeh. That could mean that uh, for the time being, it lasted for a while, right? You're still making a point when you say Adayomazeh. Which is to say, when Binyamin, when, when Binyamin let the, Shev Binyamin let the Yivusim stay, it, they lasted there a while. And maybe you could even say that as long as Shev Binyamin was there, the Yivusim were there. But at a certain point, everybody was exiled from there. That's when you say just Amayomazeb. Once you add the word Sham, so then you're already strengthening it, strengthening it. The word Sham implies that it's still there even today. That's Ula's reply to Rabbah as follows. Amalei, Hachak Siv Sham. When it's referring to the Aaron, it says, Vayusham ad Hasam sham. You know, which is not the case when it's referring to the Binyamin and the Yavusi. However, the Gemara says, uh, really? Is that true too? Now we're going to bring another source. We call Sham Is that true? Mesve. Uh oh, we have the following Pasuk. This is going to be again in Divar Yamim. It says, Okay, back to, right, Shevet Shimon. They go to Harseir, Anashim Chameshmaot, 500 men. Uflatya, Unarya, Urfaya, Vuzil, Bnei Yishi, Barasham. Okay, and the sons of Yishi, right, they're going and they're leading this group of 500 men. Ve'akuas, Shevis, Hapleitel, Amalek. Okay, they kill the rest of Amalek. Ve'yeshusham, referring to Bnei Shimon, Ve'yeshusham, Ad Hayom Hazeh. And they are there, right, Ad Hayom Hazeh. So this is, uh, in contrast to Bnei Binyamin. Who let the Yivusim stay? The Bnei Shimon, and we know Shimon and Levi, um, more warlike, okay? And they smote all of the Amalekites, and they're still there. Notice the Lashon here. The Yeshu Sham Adayomazeh. So there we have that they sat there, there Adayomazeh. So the answer that Ula gave was that when it says Sham Adayomazeh, then it really means that they stayed it forever. Well, guess what? Uh, Har Seir also was was desolate, and besides which, we don't even know who's who. As the Gemara says, right? We have, we're in the middle of a galus. Right? Sancheyev said, I removed boundaries, I plundered everything. So, Har Seir itself, right, it was, it was resettled, everything was mixed up, um, nobody is where they stayed. There is no Adayomazeh. Um, right? Everybody has been moved around. We don't know wh- who's from which Shevet. And you can't say, oh, go to Har Seir. You'll see there's a, sh- there's a Shevet Shimon colony. It doesn't exist. So sh- even Sham Adayomazeh is not an indication that it was there. To which the Gemara concludes to Yufta. This is in fact, uh, we have knocked out Ula's Shita. Uh, so, Ula's understanding of Adayomazeh does not mean eternity. So that's, that's an issue. Because wasn't that our proof that the Aaron was Nignaz? Okay, so how, how are we going to handle this? So let's see. Amar of Nachman, Tana. We have another Brisa. The Brisa says, Okay, so let's get away from the Adayomazeh, but the Chachamim have a different source. They're gonna, this source is going to be from Maise Shahaya. That the, we know the Aaron was hidden in the Lishkas Ha Dir Ha'itzim. So this is what you're going to remember from Shkalim Davav. 
Amar of Nachum Yitzchak. Nachum Yitzchak was the valedictorian of Maseches Pesachim and mentioned in, in Shkalim, of course, as well. He says, We also learned that Mishnah. That Mishnah was in Shkalim. It says, Right? We're talking about the coin who was chilling in the Remember this? One of the balatot looked different than the rest. It was kind of like the floorboard was loose. And so, he tells his friends, check this out. Something is going on down there. As he was checking into it, he passed away. So something is up under that floorboard. That was a certainty. Right? Pasuk illusions being as they may, something's down there and they knew with certainty it must be the Aron. You could, maybe the Pasuk was a diversion, I don't know, but they hid the Aron right in its place. Okay, so the Gemara asked, my Hava Avid, what was he doing? Just now that we've mentioned this mission in Shkalim, what would we say, Haya Misasek? What's this Misasek? So Amar Rabbi Chelba, Misasek Bekardumo Haya. He was playing with his hatchet. Okay. Tada the baby smile. Additional details on this story. Also, we already mentioned this in Shkalim, that we had the two Kohanim, again, they were Bali Mum, so they couldn't do Avoda, but you still put them to good use. You say, tell the Kohanim, take out their wormy pieces from the wood. You want to put only good, solid wood on the Mizbeach. Okay. And one of them slipped and fell, the Kardumo fell into that area. In the Lishkasayitzim, the Yatsta Eshvachalto. All of a sudden a fire comes and consumes, uh, according to most, uh, versions, it consumes not the person, because he didn't do anything wrong, the Kohen, but rather consumes the hatchet. Anyway, something's definitely going on in there. There, that, that chamber is haunted. It, in either story though, you either the first story, you have the second Kohen, he didn't go back to look what happened, because obviously we knew he saw a rock, a stone that was off. Right. He told somebody. Right. Right. Why didn't they send in all 50 people in the- To check. Well, I, so that's a good question. So, so Andrew's asking like- I mean, obviously you don't want to get burned up and obviously somebody might have said, oh, don't go in there. Right, so obviously they were very intimidated. So, so I think um, what it sounds like, Andrew's asking, you know, if this were to happen to him, the curiosity would be, would burn him up. Like how, how I want to know what's down there, no, right? Right, right now. Andrew would have said Barian. You're a Levian. <laughs> I'm a Levian. I don't, we would find a coin to go in there, I think. Andrew, you would be healed. You would come out and you would no longer have a boot, I think, if you went in there. So, but, but, here's the thing. but here's the thing. The thing is that what it seems like what happened was they saw... There's this, let's call it a discolored tile, right? They, the guy who started talking about it passed away. So it sounds like this sort of, call it a legend, for lack of a better word, developed. You know, there's a different colored tile. Don't ask questions. Like, it's not, it's dangerous, right? Because that's very intimidating. Obviously, it's down there. And that became like an urban uh, legend, we'll call it, that the Aron's down there, but we're not talking about it because if you go check... Right? Don't you remember? We, we talk about this, uh, all the stories with Inmaris and Machpelah. Like everyone all wants to see the Avos down there because there's a room down there. And I don't know, the Sultan of such and such. Right? Anybody who ever went to check never came back, that kind of thing. Okay. 
So Rabbi Yehuda, or, the, for the, or one person came back and he spoke, he, he spoke to an old woman. What? He didn't choose wisely. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So now, Rabbi Yehuda Rami, let's go back to this, quickly to this thing with, um, that they, that, remember the Aron had the poles exposed at a So it says, so a con, an internal contradiction in the Pasuk, right? It says that the, that the poles were visible, but they were not visible from the outside. So were they or, or, or not? How can that be, right, both seen and not seen at the same time? So, nirin ve'ein nirin. That's exactly what it was. It was seen but not seen. How so? We learned the price of Yeru Rashi Habadim. You might think that the poles can't slide at all. That's not true. They can extend the poles. So in other words, if you, ha- if you use the dimension of the Aron and you consider the dimension of the Kaddish Kaddashim, you, you, would, you would see that the poles don't even reach the edge and they can't stick out at all, but the, this teaches you that they, in fact, can slide within their position. That's the first thing. Now, you might think that when it says that they're visible, that they were, that they were as if, right, the tips were... Uh, rip through the curtain and become visible on the outside. Now they're not visible on the outside. Simple. They are protruding, but not exposed. That's all. They protrude out. But, so you see, right, two protrusions in the curtain. However, they're not exposed. That's all. That's the answer. That's why, right there, you can see that, they're, that the poles are there, but you just cannot they're not exposed. Isha, it's referring to, right, the chest of a, of a woman, right, in the sense that it's protruding but not exposed, and it that is backed up by the Pasuk in, of course, Shira Shirim, which we're going to address here, where it's referring to the love between Hashem and Klal Yisrael. You have the bundle of the myrrh, is beloved, lodged between Ben Shaddai, right? Like by my heart, right? It's sort of like, I bring you close to my breast with love. Okay. So this is an allusion already to love between a Kodesh Baruch and Klal Yisrael. That is symbolized in the Kodesh Kedashim. And the Kodesh Kedashim, which implies, which, which is a, right, a place where the intertwining love between Klal Yisrael and Hashem is, is actually um, actualized and symbolized, right? So one of the aspects of it, we start to refer to it with regards to the Aron, but of course, you can't talk about that without talking about the Kruvin. And so what is this kind of intimacy between Klal Yisrael and Hashem that is displayed? So that's going to be the topic here. Amar of Katina, Shasha Yisrael Olin Regel, right? This was something that was done on a regular basis when you would come. Regular, regel, on the regel, megolin lahemes aparoches. They would roll up the curtain of the kodesh kodashim. Umarin lahemes akruvim shayu meorin zebazeh, and they would show klal Israel. Here, here's what you came for. Look at this. Look at the love you just came on on aliyah regel. Let's show you how much Hashem loves us. And they open it up, and you see, sure enough, the kruvim are hugging. They're an embracing. And they would literally say, just like you have the love between a male and a female, so too is the love between Hashem and Klal Yisrael. Okay, so now, the problem is, as we'll see, that's an interesting thing. We thought that the base of Mikdash, uh, only the Bayes Rishon had the Kruvim. 
and by the same token, the Bayes Rishon didn't have a curtain, we thought. We thought the partition was a wall. So how could you have both a curtain and the Kruvim at the same time? So we're going to address this. But first, Master of Chista, it says, right, the Pasuk says that the Levim shouldn't come and look and see things conce- that are concealed. In other words, what is this thing? This is already in the Chumash. It doesn't say for Bamidbar. What is this idea that you're exposing the Kruvim? I thought we weren't supposed to look at the Kruvim. I thought they were supposed to be concealed. So it says, That Isser of looking at the Kruvim is only when you, at that time, when you're inserting them first into their respective places and rooms. So there, you're not supposed to look at the Aron, even as it's placed in the, you know, behind the Paroches. Well, it's still Akasha. How so if at the time that you're putting it together, you have to be so careful so as not to not to look. So how are you going to say that it's mutter to just expose it to the whole general public at the Aliyah Laregels? To which the Gemara answers, Amar of Nachman, it's going to apply to separate times in Jewish history. Masha Lachala. Use the mashal of a bride. Kolzman, she bevesa via tsnua mibaila, right? When she's engaged, she's very tsnua. All the engagement period, uh, pictures have the social distancing, right? Uh, where they're, they're smiling, but far apart. Kevin shabasa leves chamea, once she's married, ena tsnua mibaila, right? So already there's familiarity and she's no longer, the pictures, they could already be together. To which, masa of chanabar rev katina, the aforementioned story, right? Maisa bechoinecha shayam isasik. Yeah, but there was a coin who was busying himself in that particular case, right? All he wanted to do, as Andrew pointed out, was reveal the location of the Aron. Everybody would want to know that. And he died. So certainly that happened during the time of the Beis Amikdash, right? Because that's the context of the story. So which is it? He's not even looking at the Kruvim. He's just looking for the Aron. He's not even looking for the Aron. He's just talking about it and he dies. So that's pretty extreme, right? So you would think that the Aron has the power to be, to, to, to kill anyone if you just think about it. And here we're like literally exposing it. So how do you answer such a thing? So Amalai, so Nachman explained. Neat Garsha Kamrit. Yeah, it's true that in the base of Mikdash, right, you already can't look at it, but that's because she was already divorced, which is to say, Kal Israel and Hashem, in the analogy, right, were um, not, they were, right, initially they were engaged, and then they were married, so to speak, and, and they entered the house, which is the base of Mikdash Bayes Rishon. But then the Bayes Shani already was like, uh, at this point, Kaisel was already on its way out, and Niskarsha Chazu Lechibasa Rishona, right? So a wife who had been divorced, but returns, right, she's not, it's not the same. Right, I'm sorry. Once she be divorced, once she's divorced, so then obviously you go to the previous. Right, you're no longer, um, you no longer, you're even more socially distanced at that point, and then therefore that is why when the Cohen was looking for the Aron, he passed away because already the distance came back. So may we be zayche to come back and be close to Hashem again. Now, so now we have the question with regards to the Kruvim and. The curtain. So we can understand why can, we can expose the Kruvim because it's Bayes Rishon and we can expose the Kruvim because it's like Klal Yisrael and Hashem are married. The problem is, how do you expose it all together um, after all, physically? In other words, we understand philosophically how 
in the Bayashini, you wouldn't be able to expose the Aaron, you would die for just talking about it, because that's already like, after Klaiso was sitting, and it's already like a divorce, Khalila, as described in Eichan elsewhere, right, we are already, uh, at that point, she's back to her Tzniyas days, because the familiarity is gone. The question is, physically, when did this happen? I thought that the Bayis Rishon, if you're going to tell me that when the Kruvim were exposed was during Bayis Rishon, as we said before, I thought that in Bayis Rishon there was a wall, not a curtain, says the Gemara. But Bayis Kinon, name of Mikdash Rishon, if you're saying Bayis Rishon, Mayavi Parochas. There was no Parochas, there was a wall. El Mikdash well, if there was a Mikdash Shani, Mayavi Kruvim. In Mikdash Shani, there wasn't Kruvim. So how can you have a situation where you have both the Kruvim and a curtain to pull back? So says the Gemara, La Olam Mikdash Rishon. No. It was in the first Bayis, where there was Kruvim, Umay Parochas, and what are we talking about when we say curtain? Parochas Devave. Aha. The, yes, the partition in the Bais Shani was a curtain. The partition in Bais Rishon was a wall. But even the partition in Bais Rishon had a doorway. And that doorway had a curtain. So it's that curtain in the doorway of the Bais Rishon that was being pulled back. Right, that even the Bais Rishon, Rav Zeyarim says, there was 13 curtains, Shiva Kanegat Shiva Sha'arim, first covering the gates of the courtyard, and then, one for the Pesach of the Hechal, one for the Pesach of the Ulam, Shtayim B'dvir, Shtayim K'degden Ba'aliyah. And then in the inner sanctum over there, there was actually four. Two on the, on the, on the floor and two above them, right, parallel, parallel to them, um, curtains, right, over there between the Kodesh HaKadoshim and the, right, and the Ulam. So, that is how, so, so we see that even the Bayes Rishon, there were curtains, that, in fact, were the curtains that were pulled back in the Bayes Rishon. So, a different shita. It was really in Mikdash Shani that they pulled back the arm, that they pulled back the curtain. So wait a minute, make the Shani, we didn't have the Arn anymore. Where were the Kruvim? It says, Really, there was three different areas where you saw Kruvim. And so one of them was on the Aron true, but another one was what? In the wall. On the wall, there was like a Kruvim, uh, a Kruvim picture. Images of Kruvim on the wall. And those were even extant in the Bayes Shani. Right, that is referring to all the walls surrounded by designs and palm trees and blossoming flowers, very beautiful, that's Melachim Aleph, and all of those Kruvim were also etched into the wall, and therefore, or on a picture in the wall, and therefore that is a reference to Bayesheni. The, and it was all overlaid with gold, flattened over engraved design, beautiful. And, and it looked like a man uh, the joining of a man. So the bottom line is, you had these decorations in the Bayes Shani as well, and therefore it was there where the curtain was pulled back, and that's what Klaiosol would see in Aliela Regel. What is this? Gemara says, My Kemar Ish Vilios, the joining of a man, accompanied its, its, its awkward, uh, construction of a sentence, Amarabba Barshila, as we turn to Nundaladam at Bayes, and we have nine minutes, which should be more than enough, it's a, it's a small Amud, Kiisha Ma'ora Bilvaya Shalo, a man joined to his companion. In other words, that awkward sort of phraseology is referring to the Kruvim, right? A man and his companion, to which Amar Reish Lakish, Nachem Okay, so that's the, that's the weird part, right? When a guy looks at it, right? People in modern secular society, and even in those days, right? They don't understand. Anytime they see intimacy, 
they assume that it's like physical intimacy. They can't understand that there could be an intimacy between Klai Yisrael and, 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 and the Kaddish Baruch Hu, and they think that it's all sort of like inappropriate erotica or something like that when they see the embrace of the Kruvim. So this is what Reish Lakish relates, that the Goyim, right, they're, they're destroying the base of Mikdash. They come in, and oh, Kruvim, they see these Kruvim hugging together. So they think, oh my God, look at this. Look, look, look at what's going on here. This is Hotzin Lashuk. They take the Kruvim out. In this case, it was the second base of Mikdash. So they take the painting or whatever engravery out, and they bring it out outside, and they, they post it online, and they say, yeah, these people... Avram Avinu used to give brachos. They're holy people, but look, look what they have in the base of Mikdash. Yasko Bidvar Malalu. They have this like weird erotica and then this is what their religion is about. And they post it online and Miyad Hizilum. And once they did that, mindset changed. Everything became degraded and it was just misunderstood and it was cheapened. Right? That's a pasuk in Eicha. That it kind of alludes to the fact that even the Jews, right, became like Goyim. In other words, those who used to respect the Kruvim, once the Goyim took out and they said, look, they're hugging each other and embracing, look at this intimacy, look at what these Jews are up to, it ruined it. It ruined the mindset and it was a terrible part of the Gullus, this idea that we couldn't understand that there could be intimacy with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. All of this shira shirim is not meant to, in, in, in a physical way. It's meant like a spiritual in, intimacy. But the Goyim don't understand that. Okay, so now, two dots, second line from, uh, from the wide, Ushtiya What is this Evan Hashashiyah? So the Evan Hashashiyah, Tana, Shemimena, Hushtasa Olam. That was where the world was founded from. The Meiri explains, we're not talking Big Bang. We're saying that's the ideal, right? The, right, where the Akedah was, the source of holiness is the reason. It's the source of everything. It's the reason, Tachlas Abriya, as we call it, right? So the Gemara says, Tanan Kamanda Amar. This is a Mishnah that's confirmed, that says, Mish Mitzion Nivra Olam. Right? Rashi explains um, this machlokas of where, how the world was created. The Tanya, because we have in the Brisa, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Olam Mitzion Nivra. Right? The world was created like with a kernel and then built upon. Shanemar Betzekas Afarlam Mutzak or Govim Yudbaku. Right? You take a bedrock and then you stick clumps around it. Whereas Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Olam Minat Stadi Nivra. Okay, from the sides. Shanemar Kilashel Yomar Heve Aretz Vigeshem Atar Vigeshem Itrot. Right? That these are all. Sukim in Eov, where it's talking about the way the world was constructed, either from the sides or from the inside out. Rabbi Yitzchak Amar, Evan Yerah HaKadosh Baruch How was the world created? It's all allegories. Hashem threw a stone into the sea. How was the sea uh, created if the world wasn't created? Okay, this is allegory. Mimenu Nishtas Olam. And from there, the earth was founded, as it says, Alma Adanea Hatbau, O Mi Yerah Evan Pinasa. Right? It's, it's saying like the glory of Hashem. Who threw the rock into the ocean that, that created it? Well, Hashem, obviously. Can Hashem create a rock that he can't lift? Not for now. It's all, it's allegory here. The Chachamim Omrim, but the Chachamim say, obviously he can't. But that's not to say that he can't do anything. That's just a way of saying he can't not do everything. Okay, it doesn't matter. The Chachamim Omrim, Mitziah Nivra Shanamar, the world was created from Sion, because it says, Mizmor Lasaf El Elokim, Hashem. We know these psukim already. These are more familiar. That the yofi yoshalalam, this is Tehillim, obviously, is from Tzion. So Tanya, Rabbi Leezer, Gadol Omer, Rabbi Leezer the Great said, according to the Torah, So that already is a pasuk that should be familiar to all, because it's in the beginning of Sefer Parashas. It says, It says, 
What's going on here? The origins of the world. When Hashem made Eretz v'Shamayim, told us Shamayim mishamayim Nivro, told us Eretz mi'Eretz Nivro, that the Shamayim came from Shamayim, right? And the Eretz came from the Eretz. In other words, he had already Shamayim, the generations of the heavens, and then from there created more Shamayim, and from Eretz he created more Eretz. V'chachamim amrim, Eilu ve'elu, both the Shamayim and the Eretz, meet Sion Nivro. Everything started at Sion. Shenemar, Mizmor la'asaf, El Elokim Hashem Diber, Vayikra Eretz, Eretz Mimizrach Shemesh Ad Mevao. This becomes very interesting. Mimizrach Shemesh Ad Mevao. That Hashem spoke and He said, He rose up the earth from the sun, right, rising in the east until it's setting in the west. And then it says, So we see that Hashem appeared, beauty out of Zion, which means that from Zion, the beauty of the world was consummated. From Zion, that from there was created. So we're going to pick up on the last line of Nindal Ramad Beis. That's where we leave off. But I wanted to point out that this is in fact the source for international dateline. Uh, one of the sources that's brought down. What is the international dateline? Well, if you start at zero, if you start at a certain point, um, right, the Titan- when the Titanic sank because they said you have a, um, you have an iceberg at two o'clock and they didn't know two o'clock when, this is before time zones. So at, partially as a reaction to the sinking of Titanic, the world created time zones. This was done in the Naval Observatory in England. They had to have a time zones. So once they created time zones, if you go around the globe, there is a point on the earth where it's the same time, but two different days. That spot is called the international dateline. Is there a halachic international dateline? So the Me'iri in Masechus Rosh Hashanah says that there is. The Chazonish famously said that there is. This came to a head when the Mir Yeshiva was, uh, exile, was in, hiding in, not in Shanghai, because that's on the mainland, but in Kobe. The one year they were in Kobe was Yom Kippur. Kobe, Japan, they didn't know which day is Yom Kippur. Is it Wednesday or is it Thursday? They sent to the rabbis of Yerushalayim. So they, does the Torah have an opinion whether the international dateline is? So the Chazonish and Rav Tukashinsky had a machlokas. Chazonish saw the, the Meiri in, uh, and he wrote, he became famous from this, called Kuntras Yudches Shos, 18 hours. He said that it's 90 degrees to... Right, that the that night the international dateline is ninety degrees right along the edge of mainland China to the east of it is where the international dateline is, which meant that Kobe, Japan, was not the first right, which is east of the mainland, was not was not the first to get the sun, but Kobe was the last to get the sun on the other side. So based on that, he said, "You are going to what? You're going to fast. Uh, you're going to." As people are coming out to say Kiddush Lavana, right? It's not really, it's not really Yom Kippur. You're going to go in to say Kol Nidre. And that year in Kobe, they actually had two groups: Rav Tukashinsky and right the Mir Yeshiva, which were some of the mirrors, they kept two days Yom Kippur, but some of them kept Wednesday and some of them kept Thursday, depending on where the international dateline is. So it was this scene where as people were going out to Kiddush Lavana, people were coming in for Kol Nidre based on the placement of the international dateline. What did Rav Tukashinsky said? He said, not 90 degrees, but 180 degrees. But both Rav Tukashinsky and the Chazonish agreed. Where does it start from? Halachically, not from Naval Observatory in England, that's not mentioned in the Torah, but from Yerushalayim. 
what they both agree on is that the whether it's 90 or 180, the center of the earth is Yerushalayim. That is, in fact, the source of Tukashitsky's 180-degree shita. It says if the center of the earth is Yerushalayim, the dateline is 180-degree opposite. Nafkamina, Hawaii, parts of Australia, right? And for that reason, when I graduated orthodontic school and I took the boards, I couldn't take it in Hawaii because the boards are given in Erev Shabbos. According to Tukashinsky, Hawaii uh, is the first to get the sun, and therefore what they think is Friday is really Shabbos, and therefore I had to take it in an alternate site in an airport in St. Louis. Have a good Shabbos.